Just turn back to the portion we have read, Jim. The second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, and reading again verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That portion as the Lord enables us There are two strands of thought here. The first strand of thought is a claim that is made by Paul. And the claim that he's making is we preach, we preach not ourselves. The claim he's making is when I am preaching the gospel, it is not in order to promote myself that I am preaching it. It is not for self-proclamation. It is not for self-promotion. He preaches Christ Jesus and seeks the glory and honor of his name first and foremost. That is the first strand of thought, that claim that he's making, probably in the face of... Um, accusations that would be made by opponents of his who had come into Corinth and um, who were putting to his charge, presumably, that this was what he was doing. The second strand of thought that we have is the clinching argument that Paul brings before us to show why and how that is not true of him. He is not, he says, preaching himself or self-proclamation. And the clinching argument is this, for God to command the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And in essence, what he's saying is this, For the gospel to be effective, it is not of man, it is all of God. To have conversions, to have a work of sanctification going on under the gospel, it needs the power of God, not of man. And he makes that, that's the, we will look at that more closely in a minute. It needs the light of the gospel, it needs God himself to shine the light into the darkness of the soul to show the glory of God, glory of gospel grace as it is revealed in the truth, in the passion and the finished work of Jesus Christ. These are the two strands of thought before us then this morning. The claim and the clinching argument in favor of that claim. And we look at them 
in that order. First, the claim itself, I've already noted it. And you note the concluding portion of that verse of that verse five. We preach ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Our preaching is as your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, the sense of the for Jesus' sake there is, first and foremost, we preach Jesus Christ. It's as if he's saying, as for myself, I am your bond servant, I am your slave, I am your servant for Jesus' sake. And for Jesus' sake, as I've said, is equivalent to saying, I am first of all for Christ. That is the first priority. And noting that priority, order of priority, he is then the bond servant of those to whom he is sent. But it's in that order. First, Christ, and then minister servant to those to whom he is sent. The Judaizers, those who were his opponents, who had come into Corinth and who were presumably putting this uh, false charge against him, they were different. They were, they were very much promoting self. They were showing the certificates that they had uh, to be a minister for the gospel and so on. It was all for the promotion of self. But not so with Paul. And you see, the order there is the order of Presbyterianism. Christ and servant to the gospel, to the, to the congregation also. It's not authoritarianism, as you might find, as has been the case in so much in Roman Catholicism, for example, and sometimes in Anglicanism as well. And yes, it can come into Presbyterianism if we're not careful too. An authority, authoritarianism that would disfigure the gospel. Uh, servant of the congregation to preach Christ first and foremost to them. He must have the preeminence in all things. That's the way it was with Christ himself. You find it in the letter to the Philippians. Second chapter and verse 8. Verse 7, he made himself of no reputation. Sometimes translated, he emptied himself. But the sense is he made himself nothing. He took the lowly place in order to glorify God the Father. 
took upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man to serve those to whom he had sent and first and foremost to serve God. Make known the character of God, the Holy One, but to make known his holy love there in the cross. Well, that's the claim that is made. And uh, then there's the clinching argument against the, why that claim, why, that, why, why his claim is true. And you notice it's, 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 it's as, as I've said already, it's, it's to show that the power is necessary. It's not the power of man, but the power of God himself to make the gospel effective. But there's, working towards that argument, there are various strands in it. And the first is, it's by the power of darkness. You see, it's a, the light of the gospel must penetrate the da spiritual darkness, the power of darkness. The, that power of darkness that is um, that power of gospel, the darkness that is holding so many eyes blinded. If our gospel be hid, he says, if the eyes of many is blinded, it is hid to them that are lost. The power of darkness can hold in darkness. That's what it does. Keeps us in spiritual darkness. And the, the power of spiritual darkness is um, it's in the it's first and foremost, it's in, in the unregenerate soul. And it's it derives its strength from within and from without. It's, it's a indwelling sin, but also the agency of Satan working in the world. These two, the external and the internal enemies of the soul, keeping him in darkness. And we cannot just blame Satan exclusively there are darlings, as it were, in the soul that connives, that con that goes along, that 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 that. Yes, plays along with with Satan, in order to bring keep us in darkness. The power of darkness in the soul derives itself its power then internally and externally. And it keeps the soul apart from the life of God. And every one of us here today, whether regenerate or unregenerate, we have to acknowledge that is how it was once with us, alienated from the life of God. By the power of darkness, by, spiritual, by the power of spiritual darkness. And then secondly, 
the light we read we 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 read this i think in for in gospel according to john the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not the light shineth the, uh, the light is the light of the light of god shines in the midst of spiritual darkness and the darkness comprehendeth not and the word comprehendeth there means does not accept it does not admit it the light shines in the darkness but the darkness did not allow the light to penetrate into it such is the power of darkness now what light is that that shines in the darkness that the darkness cannot penetrate well First of all, it's the light of God in creation. There is light in creation. The light of God. We see in it the eternity of God. These rocks that have been, well, it looks as if they've been forever, but they've had a beginning, but the one who began them has no beginning and will have no end. And we see in creation the eternity of God. We see in creation the power of God, the power that can be found in earthquakes, the power that can be found in, in, in storms, and so on, the power that can be harnessed into atomic energy. We see in creation the, the light of the eternity of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God. The wisdom that you see in the, in, 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 in the planets. The way everything is organized is a God of order, you see. Never of confusion. And there's wisdom shown all around us. So the light that is of God revealed in creation shining in the darkness but the darkness doesn't complain it doesn't bring saving it doesn't penetrate savingly into the darkness of the soul the light shineth in darkness through the conscience there is a, the conscience is still in some measure operative even in fallen man it's like a barometer that is not pointing in the right direction completely. There's a measure of showing us what is right and what is wrong. There's the light of God, the moral light there. It's the arbiter of all things. It's the judge of all things. But it doesn't bring saving knowledge. light of providence light of god in providence making the light making the rain to shine to sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous the goodness of god in his providence there's the goodness of god shown there doesn't bring saving knowledge the light shines in darkness but the darkness comprehendeth it not there's the light 
of God in the gospel. And we have our Bibles, and we can read them through from Genesis through to Revelation. And without the Spirit accompanying, the power of the Spirit accompanying that word, the light shining in the darkness, the light of God shining in the gospel, but the darkness comprehendeth it not. Doesn't bring saving knowledge on its own. In order to have that saving knowledge, in order for the gospel to be powerfully effective, it's not of man, it's of God. The power that is necessary, says Paul, is greater than the power that was there at the first creation. When God said, let there be light, and the darkness was dispelled, what happened there was God, by fiat, spoke, as it were, from outside, if we can speak like that. Don't think we, but we have to wait to accommodate our own, the limitations of our own human understanding. It was just by fiat that it happened. And there was light, marvelously. But the power that's necessary to bring about salvation in us all. God himself, not just speaking from outside. He must shine the light in the heart of the sinners. In the miracle of regeneration. He comes within. The spirit of the Lord unites himself to our spirits. Happens in our subconsciousness. It happens in a twinkling of a moment. The light of the glory of God. Shining by the spirit into our heart. Through the truth. Through the truth. You must have the two going together. As Benjamin Warfield has put it, the objective revelation of the word, the subjective illumination of the spirit. We must have the word being quickened by the spirit. And we must have the spirit to enliven the word to us. Together. The Lord, by his spirit, comes into the soul powerfully, mysteriously, to bring light to shine in the darkness. Soul itself might not be aware of it at the moment, but it will have its effects. Can't have that light coming in without that light growing, as it were. Growing into faith, growing into repentance, growing into ongoing sanctification and ultimately glorification. It is not a man. There's no room for me to boast, says Paul. It's all of God. All may plant in Apollos water, but God alone can give the increase. 
We preach, therefore, not ourselves, but Christ crucified. And only that way, only by that teaching, by grace are you saved, and that not of yourselves. Only by that way can the gospel prosper, not to the glory of man, not to the glory of a preacher, but to the glory of him who is the alone saviour of lost sinners. The light of the glory of God. What glory of God is in that light? Well, first of all, it's in the face of Jesus Christ. It's in the revelation that's made in the word. The revelation that's made in the word, in, in, in the Bible, the revelation that is centered upon the passion, the one who is the word incarnate, the revelation that is in Christ, the revelation that is in Christ crucified. And there you see the glory there. The, when the light shines, we see the glory of God there. What glory? The glory of the holy love of God. So holy that he spared not his own son when he was made to be sin. So loving that he gave his only begotten son, the darling of his bosom, in the Roman place of hell deserving sinners. The glory of that holiness, the glory of that love joined together to holy love, grace, and what God has joined together in covenant. Let not man put asunder the glory of that holy love of the grace of God in Christ revealed to us in the truth. By the Spirit, all of God, all of God's grace. How do we apply that? Well, on our knees, that the minister of the gospel might be enabled to preach the word in that way, selflessly. Sacrificially, God glorifyingly. On our knees, that the receivers of the word would hear that word, not although coming through the instrumentality of man, coming from the Lord Himself, and praying for the word to be accompanied by the power of the Spirit of God. Without that, there cannot be prosperity. Light will not penetrate. Darkness will continue. And oh, how we need the darkness to be dispelled. Oh, how we need the light of the glory of God to shine into our hearts and congregations to the glory and honor of his name. Let us pray. <laughs> Oh, that we could say with the psalmist, every one of us, 
The Lord's my light and saving health. Who shall make me dismayed? In thy light, purest light of all, that we clearly light shall see. Receive us with the pardon of our sins. In his gracious name. Amen.